The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. What's it like, Ron? The intimate times? Out of sight, my man. <laughs> no. The other thing. Love. Yeah. What is that? Well, stuff to explain. I think I was in love once. Really? What was her name? I don't remember. That's not a good start, but, but keep going. She was Brazilian. Or Chinese, or something weird. I met her in the bathroom of a Kmart, and we made out for hours. And then we parted ways, never to see each other again. I'm pretty sure that's not love. Damn it! I love... Carpet. I love desk. Brick, are you just looking at things in the office and saying that you love them? I love lamp. Do you really love the lamp, or are you just saying it because you saw it? I love lamp. I love lamp. When I served in Iraq in the summer of 2010, there was a guy whom none of my friends and I could stand. One of my buddies was particularly vocal about his distaste for this individual, saying straight up, I hate him. I hate him so much. I love Lamp and I hate Two things happened after that. My friends and I called Lamp from then on, and the memory of Anchorman The Legend of Ron Burgundy became fonder. Now, Anchorman is by no means a great movie, but it does have a lot of good scenes. In that sense, Anchorman and its sequel, Anchorman 2 The Legend Continues, are the closest things America has to Monty Python. On this episode of ARC, I'm going to give my review and commentary on Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, and its new sequel, Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues. Also, I'm going to go over all the 2013 movies that I managed to watch this year. This is ARC. God bless television. To the movies. To good movies. To every possible kind. I am the danger. I am the one who knocks. Is that a hair gel? <coughs> Loud noises! There's no crying in baseball! <coughs> That's not even a word! Game over, man. Game over. I'll be back. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! These are their stories. From now on, I order you watch more television than ever before. Welcome to an all-new episode of Arts Review and Commentary. I'm your host, Omar Latiri, and I hope that everyone's holiday season is as festive as can be. A reminder that shopping doesn't have to stop when the holidays stop. We all need things year-round, so please visit artsreviewandcommentary.com. Click on the Amazon button above the ARC logo and you'll be helping the Realm Network and myself out while you do your shopping. All it takes is one extra click. Bookmark ArtsReviewAndCommentary.com for Amazon Shopping, our latest sponsors, and access to all the great shows on the Realm Network. Come again? You know I don't speak Spanish. In English, please. You pooped in the refrigerator. As I had mentioned before, Anchorman is structured a bit like Monty Python, in the sense that there's a rough narrative in place but the narrative sometimes takes a backseat to the funny scenes that are sprinkled throughout the movie. 
The movie takes a half-hearted satirical swipe at the sexism of the 70s, but the goofiness of its characters can be found in the buffoons of today. With that in mind, the antics of Will Ferrell and company are timeless. Take, for example, the street brawl that happens between the rival television stations. Not so fast, you ingrates! Public news team is taking a break from its pledge drive to kick some ass. No commercials! No mercy! That joke could be just as funny if the setting was present day. When will there ever be a time that public broadcasting doesn't have a pledge drive? But the movie takes place in the 70s under the guise that it's a spoof on the sexism at the time. There's a supposed moral to the movie, but that moral is relatively highbrow compared to the really broad humor that is found in much of the movie. In fact, the satirical aspect of the movie is what requires the most education or intelligence to appreciate. Everything else is really low-brow, and those are the parts that everyone remembers. Discovered by the Germans in 1904, they named it San Diego, which of course in German means a whale's vagina. It almost makes me mad that director Adam McKay, producer Judd Apatow, and everyone involved in the making of this movie even bothered to put the backstory of 70s sexism in the movie to begin with. After all, are the people who are going to be laughing at this... Mm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm. Really going to be learning anything from the message of feminism? It almost makes me mad, because I've run into many, many guys who can quote Anchorman word for word, but some of these guys are the most horrible people I've ever met. It's like trying to market something from Taco Bell as something with any redeeming health value. No health nut is going to be going to Taco Bell and look for a healthier alternative to a Nachos Bel Grande. And that's what movies like Anchorman or The Other Guys are. They're the Taco Bell of cinema. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with Taco Bell. I personally can't get enough. But the insertion of social commentary, such as sexism in Anchorman, or the collapse of the financial system in The Other Guys, doesn't feel genuine. If Gary Sanchez Productions felt that they were going to be teaching their audience a lesson, or that there was going to be some moral takeaway from their movies, then I believe they're sadly mistaken. No one is going to be seeing this. Mr. Bergen, do you have a massive erection? Really? Looking for a message. The legend became but a whisper, told by the trees, until now. We're starting a 24-hour news channel, and we want you. I'm going to do the thing that God put Ron Burgundy on this earth to do. Have salon-quality hair and read the news. A similar theme runs through Anchorman 2. This time, it's with the 24-hour news cycle. The satire comes from the realization that these news organizations get better ratings when featuring news that people want to hear rather than items people should hear. Sometimes it might not even be news. But by playing to the lowest common denominator, Ron Burgundy and his news team dominate the ratings. In fact, that metaphor could apply to these movies in general. And if that was intentional, then Adam McKay and company are flipping their collective fingers to their lowest common denominator audience and their geniuses. Or, I could simply be reading way too much into it, 
and there's nothing beneath the surface. That being said, Anchorman 2 works best when the movie leaves behind the social commentary and delves into the absurd. In the first movie, the absurd moments are more frequent, which is why people care more about those moments than the social commentary. But in Anchorman 2, the absurd moments are fewer and farther between. Older jokes are recycled, sprinkled with new twists, but still the same jokes. There's even another journalist brawl, but now with a minotaur and attack plane strafing runs instead of just a trident. The movie is banking that the characters are so lovable that another story can be squeezed out of them. But besides Ron Burgundy's ego and inexplicable sex appeal, there's really nothing to any of the other supporting characters other than their one-dimensional quirks. Two out of five stars for Anchorman 2 The Legend Continues. I have a feeling that in ten years' time, those future 20-somethings will be quoting lines from Anchorman 2 the way that many 20-somethings are quoting the first Anchorman. Doesn't mean that the movies are good, just that parts are memorable. When we come back, a rundown on all the 2013 releases that I got to see this year. Hey, this is Adam Sharrock. And I'm Asad Sayed. Together we host the Gaming Marathon, a weekly podcast on the Realm Network and also on iTunes. If you want the scoop on all things gaming, then look no further than this podcast. Whether it's reviews, news, insight, or general wackiness in the gaming industry, we'll cover it all. We discuss all the big news from all major platforms, such as Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, and PC gaming, too. As well as reviewing all the latest and popular games, such as Splinter Cell Blacklist, Grand Theft Auto V, and Pikmin 3. And it's all available at RealmNetwork.com and on iTunes. The Gaming Marathon. Download and listen today. Movie is working for me. To some degree, I am that person on the screen. I forget my social security number. I don't know where I parked the car. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person, or it can make me a better person. And I sincerely believe that to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilizing experiences that we can have as people. That was Roger Ebert accepting an honorary degree at the AFI commencement ceremonies in 2004. Roger Ebert passed away on April 4th, 2013, and his love for the movies nurtured mine. I wished he appreciate other forms of entertainment more, especially video games, but his courage to freely not like things, which can be sometimes more difficult to do than pretending to like something, has influenced my work as a critic. And now, thanks to ARC, I can call it part of my job. The following is a list of all the 2013 releases that I got to see this year with their ratings. All of these ratings and their reviews can be found by clicking the Flickster button at artsreviewandcommentary.com. The Last Stand, 2.5 out of 5 stars. Warm Bodies, 2 out of 5. G.I. Joe Retaliation, 2.5 out of 5. Jurassic Park 3D, 5 out of 5. Oblivion, 3 out of 5. Iron Man 3, 4 out of 5. Star Trek Into Darkness, 4 out of 5. HBO's Behind the Candelabra, 3 out of 5. After Earth, 1.5 out of 5. Man of Steel, 4.5 out of 5. This is the End, 4 out of 5. World War Z, 1.5 out of 5. Monsters University, 2 out of 5. The Heat, 2.5 out of 5. Pacific Rim, 
three out of five. Turbo, two and a half out of five. The Conjuring, two and a half out of five. The Wolverine, three out of five. Justice League The Flashpoint Paradox, four and a half out of five. Sci-Fi's Sharknado, one out of five. Elysium, two out of five. HBO's Clear History, two and a half out of five. The World's End, three and a half out of five. Gravity, five out of five. Captain Phillips, three and a half out of five. Twelve Years a Slave, four and a half out of five. Thor, The Dark World, four out of five. The Hunger Games Catching Fire, four out of five. HBO's Sarah Silverman, We Are Miracles, three out of five. Frozen, three out of five. The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, three and a half out of five. And Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues, two out of five. Because Mark Ronick, Lowell Melser, and Buzz Burbank took a chance with me, I am now able to watch movies and TV and call it a job. Because of the Realm Network, I have a larger platform to share my viewpoints and opinion. And because of you, I have someone I can share them with. That's it for this episode of ARC. Please shop Amazon at artsreviewandcommentary.com, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, and leave a five-star review. Like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash arcreviews, follow the show on Twitter at arcreviews, and you can email me at artsreviewandcommentary at gmail.com. My name is Omar Latiri, and this is ARC. The preceding presentation was brought to you by the Realm Network. Gonna find my baby, gonna hold her tight, gonna grab some afternoon delight. My motto's always been, when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? When everything's a little clearer in the light of day. And we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite Looking forward to a little afternoon delight Rubbing sticks and stones together make a sparks ignite And the thought of loving you is getting so exciting Sky rockets in flight Afternoon delight You guys have it, I think Afternoon delight I don't know, Ron That sounds kind of crazy Sounds like you have mental problems, man. Yeah, you got mental problems, man. Yeah, it really does. Man. Afternoon delight.